0: And now we're going to be speaking with Michael Zimbalis, and he is the director, co director, along with Jeff Zimbalis. I think there's a connection there, I'm going to guess. Uh, uh, is that your brother? A, su- yeah. a little bit your brother, I assume, right? Uh, yes, that's right. Uh, talking about the- we'll be talking about this wonderful documentary called Nosa and it's about the rebuilding of this football team, a Brazilian football team after a tragic plane crash took the lives of all but three of the players and their attempt uh, to rebuild not only the the, the team, but also the community and uh, their their uh, their real their heritage, if you will, in a lot of ways, sort of standing up mm. for their community, but also just a great story that, that's probably the least acceptable word to say about such a tragedy, but it's also in yeah. what happens after that that this makes it such a mm. powerful film we're joined today by the co-director Michael Zimbalis and Jeffrey as well, if not with us, but uh, thank you so much michael for for being here today on film school.
1: Thanks, Mike, and thanks for those kind words. I liked your description of the film.
0: The arc is, uh, of the film is really compelling. Uh, we get enough in the beginning of the film to see what a remarkable kind of Cinderella story that Chape... Chape Coense. Coense.
1: It's a remote city in uh, southwestern Brazil, uh, <laughs> and the city's name is Chapé Co, and there's right. only one football club in the whole city and and so their name is Chapecoense.
0: You thank you. Thank you Michael. Yes, so it's to see the sort of the Cinderella story how they went from a I believe not even D League and they went all the way up to the or A series from D D That's series right. all the way to A series which put them in, on a level of phenomenally athletic Professional level, Atlético they,
1: Nacional. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So that the team at one of the best teams out of Colombia. Yeah, right, who, which was the, the team that, incidentally, Andres Escobar uh, played for in the you know in, uh, that we covered in the two Escobars.
0: Which was a great documentary. That was so, I, and thank you for bringing that up. Uh, uh, what a fantastic documentary, Two Escobar's was. And this is as well, uh, you're in some ways, you're, you're in familiar turf with, with this story, uh, going back to South America and, and, and as well as th- this aspect of uh, football. But tell me a little bit about how you, well, your journey in terms of uh, putting, mm-hmm. you and Jeff's uh, journey putting together No Se Chape.
1: I think Fox Sports, um, like the rest of us, was really devastated by the news of the crash and even more so because they had six of of their colleagues um, that were actually on the plane and passed away. And Gabe Spitzer uh, at Fox reached out to us. um, And this was just a a couple weeks after the crash. The crash was the end of November uh, 2016. And in December, uh, Fox approached us about uh you know our interest in doing a documentary tracking the what was going to be the recovery effort for this community and we uh, immediately spoke with some of the remaining members of the club and expressed who we were what our intentions were and why we were different than the news media because of course it had been an internationally covered news story and um and the club was on board and really welcomed us in with with unprecedented access to the club and community. And by the time everyone showed up back to the facilities at the club in Chapeco, and at, at the end of 2016, our cameras were there rolling. And, and actually, we were supposed to film for just one month. That was the original plan. Was just to look at those few weeks of you know potentially rebuilding this club and. Um, you know, the team making it to their first game. And, of course, by the time that first game rolled around, there was so many fascinating stories that were still so unfinished that we really felt, you know, we have to keep filming here. And, fortunately, the, the subjects of the film were open to that, and, and uh, Fox really believed in us in the film. And the, the scope increased, and we were able to film for most of, of last year all the way up through... Uh, when one of those survivors of the crash actually comes back yeah. on the field and are friendly against Barca playing against uh, messi 's team in in yeah. Spain
0: yeah it, yeah it, again, the film has just a beautiful arc to it uh, i 'm not going to give uh, a lot away i 'll leave that to your discretion as to what you want to talk about. We talked about the plane crash and the and the, the impact that, that it had on this town and, and and on these players and their lives of the of their family and uh, it, it's it, it, it's all of those things. It's heartbreaking, and yet it is in many ways inspirational. And and um, I, for people who may s- still not quite understand just yeah. what football or soccer means to the people of South America, but in particular Brazil and Colombia, try to describe for or describe for our listeners a little bit about why it's so 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 an important part of their lives.
1: Well you know it's I don't know that there's an easy explanation, I just think historically culturally um you know it's football has been the sport of not just you know Brazil, Colombia, and Latin America, but really sort of the rest of the world outside of the United States and a few <laughs> other select countries and so it's you know it's really a part of the fabric of the culture many um you know, families are tried and true through the generations loyal to one team, you know, where it's not uncommon for them to use expressions about, uh, you know, having the colors of that team be the colors of their blood or bleeding those colors. And, of course, you have the fan uh, fan clubs or the Barras Bravas, as they're called. Uh, you know, others call them hooligans out of Europe and so on that really have whole um, – Lifestyles built around these teams and their games, and of course, we've seen that turn aggressive at times. But it also is really a part of um, of, a, of an identity, not just for an individual, but a community. And in the case of a city like Chapeco, where this is a city um, that is fairly remote, it's a, it's a largest uh, city. It has two hundred thousand people, but it only has one. Uh, football club, and really that club sort of started underfinanced decades ago. Uh, You know, the fans were uh, in in the stands for the fans were in the dirt, you know, just (laughs) so it was a a very sort of uh, Cinderella-type story how the community all got behind this team and uh, gave them the support they needed to... um, you know, rally and, and move their club up in the rankings from Level D, Series D to C to B to A, and then eventually to contend for one of the most uh, sought-after um, tournaments in, in all of South America. So you can imagine when, um, when you've been behind a team and your family's been behind a team for that type of a history that it really does start to feel like a part of your family. And certainly, in in this case, um, many of the uh, the citizens in the city really had personal relationships with the with the players and the administration on the team, and, and genuinely felt that they had lost family members in the crash.
0: Yeah, and it does definitely does feel that way. Um, the uh, tell you you said it a, a few minutes ago that initially it was going to be a one month. Project to be in to kind of document <laughs> that first sort of the beginning of the rebuilding, but we right. also we also get into the the families and then uh, there's also another backstory which I don't want to give too much away, but what happened with the actual plane crash? There's a whole there's a sort <laughs> of a, a subtext uh, behind all of this, it, <laughs> it sort of points out the the uh, the real you know tragedy upon tragedy, if you will, uh, as to what happened to these uh, football uh, players and, and others. You mentioned the people from Fox Sports who were on the plane, uh, the different people. There were 71 people who died on this in this plane crash. Uh, but in getting the confidence the, the, uh, of, the, of the people in the family that we, we, we spent some time with the wives, uh, what was that like for you in terms of their their openness? It's obviously still an open wound for, for them. Um, mm-hmm. tell, tell me yeah. about it just sort of as a, as somebody who, you know, who has to, who's trying to get the, the story, all the different aspects of the story, a little bit about that as yeah. well.
1: Yeah, I think it, for us it was really important going in that, you know, this wasn't just the story of a team, but it was really going to be about this whole community. And so it was an ambitious production because we had multiple crews and cameras filming with different people in the city because it's, you know, what's referred to as cinema verite style, where you're filming uh, real events as they unfold, and you don't know what's going to happen next, and you don't even necessarily know when you start out uh, who your central subjects of the film are going to be. So that meant we were filming with uh, members of the fan club, uh, the mayor of the city, the administrators, the families who had lost loved ones, and then, of course, the new coach, the new players, the players from the previous year who didn't board the flight. So it was a lot of filming, a lot of logistics, and ultimately, uh, you know, a, a lot of editing. Yeah, and yeah. what we saw was, I mean, we were interested as filmmakers. Um, I should mention, you know, I, I've lived over the last decade uh, part-time in Medellin, Colombia, where the plane crashed. And my brother and I have both lived and worked in Brazil quite a bit as well. So we had already been following the story of the tragedy quite closely. Um, But uh, as filmmakers, I think we were also drawn very early on to this question of how does a family or community respond to the loss of loved ones. And what we found was uh, sort of these two camps that uh, were conflicting with each other. On the one hand, those who felt they really had to honor the memory of the dead at every step of the way. And then in the other camp, those who felt, hey, we've got to move forward with our own lives. And in the end, I think we were as surprised as anyone to see these two camps kind of coming together and recognizing that perhaps neither of their approaches was the right approach and that uh, staying together and being unified was perhaps the most important thing, which incidentally was also the value that was most upheld by, by those who died. So it was quite a touching thing to witness them. Uh, come together around that conflict. And the conflict, you know, is is very complex because you're talking about, as you mentioned, Mike, you know, negligence on the part of the airline, uh, trying to cut corners um, was really what led to the crash. It was not, you know, a, a natural disaster in that way. Right. And so there's a lot of anger around that. And there's, you know, always going to be looking for, for um, you know, who's at fault and, you um, a lot of people blame the, the, the club itself and the way they had handled the situation. So there was quite a bit of legalities, lawsuits, and so forth that, um, you know, you can imagine. It's, it's like uh, siblings and a family uh, losing a loved one and, um, you know, and then lawyers getting involved. It can get quite hairy.
0: Yeah, that is in the film, and, and you're right, absolutely. Everything you said is you know, just a lot of different aspects, a lot of different... Details in the film that really flesh it out. I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with Michael Zimbalis and he he and his brother Jeff Zimbalis co-directed the film Nosa Chape and it's uh, in theaters here in Los Angeles, actually at the Monica Film Center starting tonight, Friday, uh, June 1st. I'm curious about the reaction from some of the principals, some of the people that were in the film. What's been sort of the reaction? And also, I don't know if this film has, has screened in South America or in Brazil specifically, but I'd be curious to, to hear their their reaction uh, mm-hmm. to the film.
1: Yeah. Well, we, we haven't screened it uh, outside the U.S. yet. Um, we had our world premiere at South by Southwest uh, in Austin, and um, are just doing the theatrical uh in the US starting this week so we're in New York and LA we'll be in 23 other cities theatrically starting next week and then the um, the broadcast will be on Fox uh Fox proper on Saturday the 23rd of this month right after the uh, Germany Sweden game so that'll be quite a platform for it and, um, we actually want, we tried to get the, um, a, a number of the subjects in the film to come up to Austin, but it was, it was complicated given the, uh, the schedule of the team. They were in the middle of a tournament. And for anybody who knows soccer at all, and particularly Brazilian soccer, boy, when you are in season, it is tough to go anywhere other than the field that you're supposed to be playing on. So we're, um, actually going down to do private screenings now for players. The uh, well, I should say, all the subjects in the film, those who worked on it, the club, and the the, uh, the families of those who died in uh, over the next couple of weeks, and really looking forward to um, engaging in that dialogue.
0: Well, that that sounds wonderful. Well, I'm going to let you go. I know you're uh, you're on a on a mission today. You've got a lot to do, and I appreciate your time, Michael. The film again, Thanks, Mike. The, the, the film is Nosa Chape and the filmmakers are Jeff Zimbalis and Michael Zimbalis at Screening Tonight at the Monica Film Center. It's a terrific film, and congratulations on this and to Escobars and continuing uh, success as as a wonderful filmmaker. So it's a pleasure to have you back on, Mike. Thank you.
1: Thanks for having me, Mike. Thanks a lot.